joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. Once again, grab your Bibles and turn them to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, that's where we're going to get into here in just a moment. Uh, I was looking back, uh, it's been three or four weeks ago, uh, may have been a little bit further than that, um, but we have spent some time in John chapter 9, 10, and 11, uh, and, and I told you we were going to come back and uh, hit this Good Shepherd idea from the I Am statements. But if you remember all the way back in chapter 9, uh, you have this man that's born blind and he was healed by Jesus. He never saw Jesus, but he heard Jesus' voice. Jesus healed him uh, and the Pharisees and the leaders basically kicked him out of the synagogue, kicked him out of the family or as, um, as Jesus uses the analogy kind of out of the sheep herd there. And we talked about Jesus being the door, being the protector, uh, being the one that takes care of us. But in that same passage, in that same context, uh, we read about him being our shepherd. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. You know, how many of you have spent a whole lot of time with sheep? How many of you have spent a whole lot of time with sheep? You know, sheep, um, sheep is something that worldwide, worldwide is uh, sheep farming, sheep herding, you know, that is something that in the world that is still a very popular uh, thing. You can, you can actually get for the price of one, one head of cattle, one, one, one cow, you can get the same amount of um, things, if you will, uh, from 10 different sheep. So from a worldwide perspective, sheep are a lot more affordable. Uh, they're a lot more, uh, you can have fewer of them to do what you need. Uh, but in our country and in our culture, if you will, cattle is really the, the cash animal uh, that, that we get a lot of our food and a lot of different things from. Uh, but sheep have always, I mean, from the very beginning to the very end, sheep have, uh, ha will be and always will be a big integral part of, of the world in which we live. Uh, and even if you go all the way back into the book of Job, you even see the reference to a sheepdog in the book of Job. There is this kind of triangle relationship between man, sheep, and, and sheepdog uh, that is so profound and, and so just, I mean, just, I mean, from the beginning, y'all, from the beginning. And so when Jesus comes in and he says, hey, I am the shepherd, well, that's a powerful statement because especially those standing around him would have understood that in such a powerful way, in such an interesting way. And for us, we understand it, we get it uh, to a degree, but I hope today as we get a little bit further into it, that will understand it a little bit more. But one of the things that I was thinking about this week and doing some research on and, and came across um, a video, I want to show you a video of something this morning, very quick, 30 second, 35 second video. And when I saw this video, I really thought about this is us. This is us in our life when we tend to follow things other than the Good Shepherd. So if we'll uh, play that video real quick, I don't know where it is, it should be right at the top of the slideshow. This video is called The Worst Sheepdog in the World. But I watched this video and I thought, man, that looks like us when we follow something other than Jesus, right? 
I'm here one minute, I'm there the next minute. In a minute, this dog took and realized he's got himself into some trouble because all of these sheep are just going to... But we are the sheep in this video following the things of the world, following, like he's really in trouble now. Okay. Does that not look like us? Does that not look at it like us, like just... Just one moment we're over here, and then one moment we're over here, and hey, well, this looks good. Let me, hey, I think I'll do this for a little while. And I mean, our lives just, they just get turned upside down, and we don't really have any direction. And when we don't have any direction, we just get tired and stressed out, and we get aggravated, and we get frustrated, and we get angry. We get all these things because our life is not centered in a direction and moving in a positive, like, I'm going this way. We find so many things to fill our life with, and we just end up just everywhere. But Jesus comes in, and let's go to our passage. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. I want you to read this with me. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So he's telling them, hey, look, you know, when, you, when you're not invested, you don't care. And there's so many things in our life and so many people and so many situations that we put our trust in, we put our faith in, and they're really not truly invested in us. And when difficult times come, they're gone. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm the good shepherd. And I lay my life down for you. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. So Jesus is our good shepherd. But like I said, we, we fall into that category so many times of following and putting our faith and trusting in things that just get us running around. They're, they're, they're the hired hand, if you will. So, so I want to go first this morning to this idea. I want you to know this is that above everything else, Jesus is a good shepherd, and read that last statement, I can what? Trust him. I can trust him. When I hear this phrase now of I am the good shepherd, what I take from it more than anything else is that I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. And that is such a powerful thing that when I'm facing challenging moments, when I'm facing difficult times, when I'm facing hard times, when I'm facing my world being turned upside down and I feel like I'm running scattered every which direction, what I do know is there is a central figure, a central place, a central direction that I can look. And I know that Jesus is good and I can trust him. That's really, if nothing else today, that's, that's what I want you to get. I want you to turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm. I want us to do two things very quickly. The first thing is I want us to look at what it means for Jesus to be our shepherd. What's the characteristics that come from the idea of he is my shepherd? All right, so I want us to read this psalm together. Some of you probably don't need to look at it, 
um, because it's one of those very first psalms, one of the very first passages that many of us have ever learned uh, from the Word of God. But let's read it together, and then we're going to look at four characteristics very quickly and then get into some other things. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Say this last phrase with me that we all know. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great and comforting passage that many of us know so, so well. What can we take from it, from a Jesus aspect here very quickly, is I can trust Jesus because he is my shepherd, and these are some things about his personality. Number one, he is reliable. He is reliable. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He has got everything I need. He, I can always trust him. I can always count on him. I cannot, if he says, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be doing this, and this is how I'm going to love you, this is how I'm going to forgive you, this is the grace you're going to receive, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is who he is going to be. No questions asked. He's never going to change for that. Secondly, he is relational. Sheep and shepherds have a relationship. Like we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about this passage the first time, a shepherd could come into the city gate to the city pen where everybody's sheep were in, and he could just start talking, and his sheep would know his what? His voice, and they would just follow him out. The other sheep didn't go, but he would, they would follow him because they had this relationship with the sheep. Many shepherds even named their sheep. They knew their personalities. They took care of them. It was a very, very loving um, relationship and a very relational relationship. And Jesus is the same way with you. Jesus knows your name. He knows your struggles. He knows when you're hiding something. He knows when you're celebrating something. He knows when you're happy. He knows when you're sad. He has that relationship with you. And you can count on that relationship. I like this next one. He is righteous. He is righteous. He will always do the right thing. And I think that's so important today because we are fixing to come into the midterm elections. It seems like people are running for office all the time. And when you run for office, what do you make? You make what? Starts with a P. You make promises. Hey, if you vote for me, I will do this and this and this. And in our, in our culture, in our politics, I mean, a lot of people make promises to get elected and don't do those things. They, they make decisions based on what their party wants them to do or what polls tell them to do. And, and so we put our trust and faith in these people, but we have in the back of our mind, I may put a little bit of faith in them, I may put a little bit of trust in them, but I can't fully trust them because they're not always going to do what is right. But the thing about Jesus as our shepherd is he will always do what is right. He'll always do what is right. And when he wants me to do something, I can know that it's always going to be the right thing that I need to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, but there's a phrase in this psalm that that I like and that I find very interesting and intriguing, and it is the phrase, your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. And a rod and a staff in, in many ways can be used to do a couple of, uh, of different things, but the rod and the staff for a majority of the time were instruments of correction. Instruments of correction. You could even say maybe instruments of punishment, if you will. If you want to use that word, that's maybe a little harder word. But instruments of correction. 
All right, so if, if a sheep is going off in this direction, he takes that, that rod and he pulls him back where he needs to be or he spurs him along and gets him where he needs to go. And I think about our life and I think, how many of us truly enjoy being corrected? How many of you truly enjoy doing something, then being told it's wrong and then being corrected in what you need to do? Any of you? Any of you truly enjoy it? None of you. Okay, why? Because it's not fun. We don't like being wrong. But you know what? This is something I want you to understand. That God's righteous correction will always lead to comfort. Think about that for a moment. God's righteous correction will always lead to comfort. If I'm going off in the wrong direction and God comes in and His righteous correction pushes me back. The pushback to where I need to be might be hard. It might be difficult. It might not be something that I want to, to happen. I may resist it. But when he puts me back in the right direction, puts me back where I need, that's where I find grace. That's where I find love. That's where I find great relationships with brothers and sisters. When I'm not in that place, when I'm going off doing what I want to do, the lack of correction, what does it create? The lack of create correction Correction in my life creates anxiety, it creates anger, it creates frustration, it creates rage, it creates dysfunction. When I don't have correction in my life, I have all these negative things that are going to eventually pile up. But we think, I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to go through the process of, of, of learning and going back. Into, but once we get there, once we allow God's righteous correction to put us back where we need to be, in that place, we will always find his comfort. And I love that phrase in this psalm, and I think it's so wonderful and so powerful. And then also, he is relentless. He does not give up on us. He is always going to be there. He's always going to fight for us. He's always going to do everything he can to keep us where we need to be. So that is, that, those are his characteristics, if you will. And I look at that and I go, man, that is, that is great. That is wonderful. That is awesome. And I love all of these things about Jesus and God. How many of you love all these things about Jesus and God? And you look at that list and you're like, hey, I love these things. None of you, only, only, you know, up top. No, no, okay. So I thought it's okay to raise your hand. Okay, you can agree. It's all right. But here's the truth. Here's the truth about us. This is the truth about God. What's the truth about us? The truth about us is it doesn't matter how good and great and perfect and wonderful and reliable, relational, righteous, and relentless that Jesus is, we're going to come into difficult moments and we're going to have trouble following, on, following him, aren't we? We're going to come into a difficult time when we need our shepherd the most and we're going to struggle with our relationship with him and we're going to question him. We're going to be like David, the great shepherd of the Old Testament in chapter 22 of Psalms, just right before this, where he goes, where are you, God? Why are you so far from me? Does that sound like a man after God's own heart? Let me tell you what, if a man after God's own heart can look at God and go, I'm not sure what you're doing, God. I I'm not sure if I trust what's happening right now. Then I feel a little more comfortable in the fact that I may do that from time to time. I really do. I really do. So how do we follow the good shepherd this Jesus, how do we follow him when I'm having trouble trusting him? When trusting Jesus is hard, how do I keep going? Well, here's the first thing. Remember that trust is hard for everyone. 
Remember, trust is hard for everyone. Having doubt at times in your faith, not completely trusting the process of God, is not anything that will ever be just unique to you. You follow me? I want you to look around the room this morning. Look around the room, for real. Look around the room. Look around at everybody sitting in this room. Every adult, teenager, everyone old enough to think and doubt and trust have also struggled with doubting and trusting. You are not and never will be the only person that might doubt God and what he's doing in your life. So don't think you're special in that way. Understand it's part of the process. Understand that it's part of getting from A to B to C to getting to eternity, that your faith is going to be challenged. You're going to look at these moments and in some of those moments not understand it, not be completely sure about it. And you're, you're going to try to think what in the world is going on. We're going to kind of be like, uh, like Isaiah here. I like what he says. He says, like the blind, we grope against the wall, feeling our way like these, like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. Isaiah says, hey, there are going to be times in our life we struggle with trusting. We, we're just kind of trying to fill our way. We're trying to figure it out. We're going to doubt. But doubt, I do not believe, means we have a lack of faith. Because you see, what faith does is faith gives us courage, and courage gives us the ability to push on through the doubt. I'm not sure, God, what you're doing. I don't fully understand it. Okay, God, I, I, I don't completely get what's going on, but I have faith in you. Your faith gives me courage that you're reliable. I can rely on you to get me from here through this struggle to the other side, you're my shepherd. I'm going to listen to your voice. And I'm going to follow you to the other side. We're going to doubt. The difference is when we doubt, we have the good shepherd to lead us in those moments. The next thing I want you to think about with me is this. Seek God and he will be found. Seek God and he will be found. Um, Seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Great vacation Bible school song, great passage from the Sermon on the Mount. But there's a key word there. What's the key word? What's the first word of the song and of the verse? Seek. Seek. How many of you have had moments in your life where you just honestly, you feel distant from God? And you're like, God, you just don't feel like you're there. You know, I'm afraid in those moments, the reason that we feel that way a lot of time is because we have gotten so distracted by these other great sheepdogs that are running us everywhere else that we have forgotten the importance of seeking God. See, that word seek is an intense word. It's not a glance. It's not a, yeah, I'm looking. It's I'm rolling my sleeves up and I am actively trying to find you. God is always where God says he is, right? God never moves. So if you feel like God is distant in your life, then who's really the one that's distant? You or God? You. You've quit seeking him. Look at this from 2 Chronicles 15, verse 2. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judea and Benjamin. The Lord is what? With you when you are with him if you seek him he will be what found by you 
But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What's the key to all of that? You or God being where you're supposed to be? You and me. We seek God. We look for God. When all the distractions are going on around us, if we'll grab those distractions and shove them to the side and listen and find the shepherd, he's going to be right there. Right where he said he was going to be. So we have to seek him when we're having trouble trusting in him. The next thing is this, gain weight. Gain weight. That's something that a lot of us practice every day, right? Gain weight. God is working on his plan, but the weight we're talking about is the patient waiting. The patient waiting. Um, the world is fast, isn't it? The world is fast. From one thing to the next. All the time, every time. This weekend has been uh, busy, busy for us. Blair's mom is wanting to come in and stay a few days with her. And um, she called, I guess it was last week. And like I think her intentions were to come like this weekend or next weekend. Well, y'all, it's four weekends away before we have a weekend that we can have, you know, company like that. We're, we're busy and booked. And she told Blair, she tell you or she tell your sister? She told you. She said, I know better, I know better, but if I didn't know any better, I think you were telling me I couldn't come. Because we're like the 15th, the 22nd like of October, like somewhere around there you can come. But like that's, we're that busy. Anybody else that busy? Like we are booked up, like not even in town for those weekends leading up. And, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes we do that to God. God could go, hey, if I didn't know any better, I would think you didn't have room for me. Like you're trying to shove so much stuff in your life. You're trying to do so many things. You're going to all the ball games. You're going to all the practices. You're going to all the concerts. You're going to all of this. You're going to all of that. But then you're like, God, where are you? And he's saying, if I didn't know any better, I would think you've not made time for me. Sometimes the most important thing we can do is to stop and be still. Stopping and being still is hard. It's uncomfortable. If I were to just sit down and quit talking, how long would it take for the silence to get uncomfortable for you? How long would it take for just silence to be uncomfortable? Because we're so used to everything in our life being filled. If that moment is not filled with sound, we're uncomfortable. Some of you would be like, yes, please quit. My kids were sitting back there going, it's been 22 minutes, Dad. They both looked at me before I preached. Don't preach too long. Which makes me just want to preach longer. For them, not for anybody else. But we need to work on just being patient. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who what? Wait for the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But what's the key to that? Not those who are busy, not those who fill their schedules with everything, those who what? Take time and are patient and are quiet and are still. And they wait on God and they listen for Him and they watch for Him. Those are the people that He's going to bless. Last thing, last thing, live in gratitude. Live in gratitude. Give thanks sometimes. Is that what that verse says? 
of 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances, the good, the bad, the ugly. Take moments to look at God and go, God, thank you. Thank you. When you're going through the most difficult moments of your life, our, our, our tendency is to focus on those moments. You've seen me do this before. I'll do it again for those that you haven't seen it. In the grand scheme of things, what's bigger, the room or my Bible? What's the bigger physical thing, the room or the Bible? The room. But when it's in my face, what's the only thing I see? That's what our distractions do. That's what our bad circumstances do. They get in the way of God. They get right in my face, and I can't see them, the blessings around me. But in those moments, if you'll stop and sit down and wait and count your blessings, just pray to God and give thanks to God for all the great things. I'm not, it may not make the situation better. The challenge may even get worse. But as James says, you're able to find joy. And he says, I want you to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He, he wants this for you. He wants you to do this. He's asking you to take time, to take time to slow down and simply give God thanks. Thank you for what you're doing. That way, that way in those difficult moments, you can look at him and you can say, hey, God, I trust you. I know you've got me. I know you're going to take care of me. I know that everything is going to work out the way you need it to work. It may not be the way I want it to work out. It's going to work out the way you need it to work out. So when trusting God is hard, when trusting Jesus is hard, remember that trust is hard for everyone. Seek God and he will be found. God is working on his plan, so wait for him and live in gratitude. That brings our I Am series to a close. I hope that you've I hope that you've grown from it. I've heard, I hope that you've learned some things about Jesus that you didn't know. It's important to learn about Jesus. The, the world is full. I went back and looked at some of the very first things that we talked about and why it was going to be so important to spend time in this study. And I should have marked it. Yeah, one of the first things we talked about, why must we study Jesus? It's important to connect to Jesus. It's important to get rid of a fuzzy view of Jesus. And there are some that are still unconvinced of who Jesus is. Well, what we've done is we have spent time not just studying what the Bible says about Jesus, but studying about what Jesus said about himself. Jesus, a man that we know for a fact existed. We know that for a historical fact. Jesus existed. And this historical man said, I am these things. And you can trust that. And so I hope in this time together you've grown. Let's go to God in prayer and then we'll offer the invitation. God, we thank you for the chance to be with you this morning. We thank you for the hope that comes, for the assurance, for the guarantee that comes with the relationship with the great I am, with the shepherd, with the resurrection and the life, with all these great things that you have claimed as your own descriptions that we've studied over the last eight weeks, God. We thank you for being God, the Alpha and the Omega. Help us, God, to always trust you, to trust your Son, to embrace and trust your Spirit, to allow you to guide us, to lead us, to direct us where we need to go. So when the paths aren't smooth and straight, that you'll give us the strength to endure.
and to keep going until we reach the other side, even if the struggle only ends on that first day of our eternity. God, we pray for those who have not come to know you yet, who do not know you as the great I am, who do not know you as the resurrection, who do not know you as their Savior. And we pray, God, that they will hear your words, they'll hear your voice, your challenge to believe and to be baptized, have their sins washed away, to repent and be baptized and have their sins washed away and receive your Holy Spirit, God, so that they can be forgiven, so they can be empowered, so they can be cleansed and walk as a new creation. Be with us when we struggle to trust you. Help us when doubt creeps in and, and takes over. Help us to clear things out of the way and just listen to your voice. We thank you for Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and our salvation. It's in your son's name we pray. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.